There are three-day weekends, and there are three-day weekends. Man, this one seemed like a four- or five-day weekend. But we got Triple D back in the house to talk about what's going on in the markets. We got some earnings from the big banks. We'll see how they're reacting. Hopefully better than they treated J.P. Morgan on Friday. Going to speak to Red Dog at 8.35, get his view on the markets. It's Tuesday. It's pre-market prep. Let's fire up. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, good morning, traders and investors. We're starting out in the red by 13 and a half handles. Uh, that's about mid-range on the session because on Sunday and Monday, while you guys were taking it easy, we traded up to 48.23. So getting half of those losses back as we speak. Uh, the buck, a little bit of a rally here, up 77 cents, uh, getting near 103. Uh, bonds, uh, down a little bit over a half a point, but uh, hanging just above support. Crude up 38 cents, busted through that trend line, but now back under it. Gold down 960 at 2042. Silver down 14 cents, 2318. Bitcoin now $6,000 off the ETF high, down $500 at $43,190. Uh, let's bring in Triple D here. And uh, Triple D, uh, we missed you for. A couple days, and uh, how you doing? Did the Lions' victory get you pumped up? Get you feeling better? It helped. The sports is uh, not the thing that's hurting me here right now. Uh, Oilers win ten straight. Lions with the big victory it was a nail biter at the end. I will tell you, but we held on there. So I'm, not, I'm feeling okay. I'm have like the end of this little flu bug here going Good. now, where kind of congested the breathing's not that great day 11 of this flu this this just you know perspective here probably the worst flu i've ever had in my life um way worse than covid was way worse and they so i ended up in the hospital actually twice on this one um friday night they kind of finally or friday morning i guess they kind of figured it out lisa guessed it too um i had the initial flu and then what happened was I ended up with pericarditis, which is inflammation around my heart. And that's why I was having so much trouble with my heart speeding up and not being able to work as much as you'd like. So I'm on a bunch of pills to get that inflammation down around my heart. And that's so basically secondary infection from the flu is really what hammered me. So I'm coming around now. My heart was racing up about, and, and again, I have oh. bradycardia, which is a slower heart rate. Um, so my normal heart rate is 50 to 60. This, um, when I was on this bug for like last week, my heart was like in the 80s. I'd walk up the stairs, it was 120. Just didn't feel right. Heart's back down to normal. So heart feels pretty good. Just got congestion here now. So fighting that. But other than that, I, th I think I'm going to be okay. Okay. All right. Uh, Aaron, are you uh, lurking in the background there? Good morning to you, Aaron. How you doing on this uh Tuesday morning. Did you have a good three-day weekend? Did you go to that Lions game? 
I did. I was there on Sunday night. was a was a great game. Like like Dennis said, was kind of a nail biter at the end. There oh, was yeah. some. There was definitely some. You know uh anxiety in the stadium toward the end of the game when it was like it felt like the lines were dominating the whole game then all of a sudden you look up at the scoreboard and the rams were down one point with the ball and it was like holy cow could they are they really about to do this and then uh you know they pulled it out and and it was it was you know just to see the city after that win more than 30 years in the making it was it was beautiful yeah i mean deserving i mean what sports fan has suffered more than the than the Detroit Lions sports fan. One playoff victory since the you know beginning of the Super Bowl here back in the Barry Sanders days. I mean, it's just been an awful, awful run for a franchise that has really disappointed its fans. So finally, something to cheer about. And you know, I don't know how we're going to do next week, but you know, they can't take the second playoff victory away from us. All right, Aaron, where where do we start here? Well, do we su- Start with some good or some bad. I think let's go, let's go ahead and start with Microsoft just because we've got the charts up already. I mean, this is you know let's start with good. Let's start with good, okay. uh, Joel. And 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 you know last week we saw Microsoft edging toward new highs. We had some news this morning uh, that Microsoft is agreeing to a ten-year deal with Vodafone, one point five billion dollar deal. Uh, I think this one's going to be a little bit a bigger deal for Vodafone than it is for Microsoft. But either way. Uh, $1.5 million, the British company Vodafone uh, will invest it into customer-faced AI developed with Microsoft, Microsoft's Azure. So this comes actually as the leader of Vodafone, the CEO, has pressures to resign. And he's kind of hoping, hey, look, look, we just did this big deal with Microsoft. This is going to be great for the company. So this kind of seems like a last-ditch effort uh, from the company's leadership to try to save face here. Um, but either way, what is Microsoft doing on this news, Joel? Uh, it popped to 392. I'm just going to give that because that's a pre-market high. And what do we do on Friday? Uh, Friday, 392.63 or 392.68. So that's the only level. Uh, no, it was only 390.68. So this is a new all-time high for Microsoft here once again. I want to do an exercise here. Maybe we could do it right now because yep. when you're away, f- when you're away from the markets for so long. Um, as I was, and I mean so long, and people say, oh, you're right for two days. Two days feels like two years when you're like sick and you're trying to get through it. I'm checking on my phone, but it's not the same, not the same sitting at your desk being in the trade cave. It's good to go through the charts on the major components just to get a feel for where we're sitting. I did that exercise this morning. You can clearly see separation, and sometimes that's sitting back. You know, like sports analogy here. You got a player that's struggling. Sometimes throwing them up in the press box for a game and just letting them look at the game and watch the game from, you know, the stands from, you know, up there, getting a different view can sometimes give you perspective here. And if you're a struggling trader, sometimes it's good to take a day off, sit back, take a look, take a breather and get a feel for where we are. And I think that's what we should do here on the top 10 components here, Joel, because we are starting to see some clear separation from winners and losers of 2024 so far. And some of them are going to be surprising to you. Yeah, uh, I, I'm just going to rip through a Microsoft, which took the lead in market cap we've been talking about. Um, Apple, that's a much different looking chart, right? But uh, Apple's had we, its uh We did some have news. some news with, uh, yeah, with Apple's. That, so with Apple's uh, Apple Watch, they've been in this kind of patent battle for a while where they had this medical 
I I don't know exactly. I think it was supposed to be reading the oxygen levels or something like mm-hmm. that for the for the Apple Watch. And this the the health tech in the Apple Watch. I will say. I mean, Dennis, you were just talking about your heart. I look at mine all the time, and I do. Uh, love it. And I think that's one of the things I'm excited about is to see these health features progress as the years go on. Uh, but they were in a patent battle and they were uh, going to court in the EU over this stuff. And they decided to drop this medical uh, thing from their watch so that they don't have to deal with this patent anymore. Uh, Apple stock was trading down on this news when I looked this morning, Joel. How are we looking now? And, and uh, it, go ahead, Dennis. Just to piggyback that point here, A.B., is when I was sick last week, I've got my Apple Watch on the whole time and I'm watching it. And the Apple Watch is how I kept saying to the doctors, I'm like, because when I first went into the hospital on the Wednesday, they were just convinced I just had a bad flu bug. And I'm like, my heart is racing 40 beats normal, more than normal here. They're like, oh, it's because you're sick. I'm like, is it? Because I don't (laughs) feel like it's because I'm sick. And I kept saying that. And that's the Apple Watch helping me there because there's no way for me to know a lot of this stuff. I kept doing, they have their little um, EKG you can do. There's a lot of little things so you can really track what's kind of going on with your heart. Is it 100% accurate? Probably not, but it gives you an idea. And I knew my heart was working harder than normal. And then lo and behold, you go back to the hospital Friday and you find that you got inflammation around all your heart muscle. And then boom, they give you some medication, you feel better. So that Apple Watch actually helps me self-diagnose that I was like, I'm telling you, man, there's something going on with my heart. Yeah, before so we get to the, without that, I don't know. Before we get to the to the chart real quick, Joel, I'll just say real quick on that same note, Dennis, my uncle, his watch, you know, diagnosed him basically with an AFib, like an irregular heartbeat. And he went to his doctor with it, showed him it. And like, sure enough, the doctor was like, oh, this is great that you came in with this. And, and they had to like shock his heart back into rhythm and all this stuff. And it was all from the Apple Watch. And he's basically like this thing you know, save my life. So I, again, I, I, think, I think it's really going to be bad if they have to take a lot of the hard stuff off that, like not, not necessarily bad for Apple, but bad for the consumer. Right. It so, helps. Yeah. So, so it was the oximeter, the uh, measuring kind of, I guess the, the, how much oxygen you're getting with your pulse uh, and, and all this stuff. And it was actually the, uh, the U S ITC, the U S international trade commission that, uh, put this ban on the Apple watch and import ban. And now they're saying, okay, if you got, and so Apple's redesign without this feature is basically going to be able to bypass that ban. So it sounds like good news for Apple that they don't have to deal with this anymore. But like you said, Dennis, now this isn't as great for the consumer. They're losing out on a feature that people like. Okay. So clear separation, two very different charts. Microsoft making new all-time highs. Never be short stocks making new all-time highs. Apple struggling. We know the double downgrade started the year that knocked it from 190 down to 180. Then we've tried to bounce, but again, you keep getting news. 180, we thought would be major support. Man, we've called this one perfectly. That's exactly where it bounced was 180, 180, 17. We bounced up to 185, 186. Trying to consolidate trying to go higher, but still in this little range between 180 and 186. Below 180, you want no part of this. That's what I'll say technically here. You do not want this there making new lows on the year. So as long as it holds 180, you could try to buy the dip here. But if it breaches that 180, I would stop myself up below that. Yeah, this is a little check back from the rally to 180 to 187. So you've already given back half of the move. Uh, pre-market low is in the mid 182 handle. You're just sitting here right now at this area, low of 182.73. So I'd give it some room. I think it would make it a little bit market dependent here if you're going to just immediately, you know, rally off this number. 
Uh, resistance will be at the bottom of yesterday's range. That's one eight or Friday's range, one eighty five nineteen, and uh, doesn't look like we have a shot. But I, I think if you know, just going longer term with Apple, like you know, we talk about a new product or you know what you know the next thing they haven't had any innovation. I think it's going to be in the health, the health area, and it, um, you know, this certainly is not a, uh, not a, uh, not good Step news. In the wrong Brian. direction here. Yeah, definitely wrong direction here. But see if we can catch a bid. For some reason, I like this one eighty two fifty area pre market low coincides with another daily low. Uh, talk about separation, Nvidia. That broke out above 500. That's holding strong. So that's not number three, though. Are we in number? No, where, where no, are... no, no. I, I skipped uh, Google. The combined oh, Google. Yep. Well, well, let's do all 10. Let's do the top 10. We'll go in order here. So Google's third now. I'm just wondering where we are. We got Microsoft is number one now. Yep. Microsoft surpassed Apple. Microsoft, Apple, then Googs, if you combine them. Yep. Yep. And, and yep. Google not far from highs. I mean, we're ways away from all-time highs, which we hit back in 2021. Google was 151, but within striking distance still. It looks like a healthier chart to me here, too. I don't know what you think of this chart here, Joel. Yeah. If you're looking at the 90-day, maybe it can blow up. So we're not just looking at the intraday. We're focused. So when I do this this check that we're just talking about here, I want to focus like on the 90-day chart. I want to focus on what's the stock been doing over the last couple of weeks and the last couple of months. We trending higher. We trending lower. We trending nowhere. You know, that's my first question usually because we always want to buy stronger stocks. We usually like to be shorting weaker stocks. It's usually how day trading and trading overall is more successful here. You can clearly see Google's been trending up here for the better part of a year. But even in the last six months, we've been in a consolidation period. So is this consolidation to eventually go higher? Is this consolidation to you know just stay consolidated? Maybe we go nowhere here. Stock doesn't look nearly as clean as Microsoft, where Microsoft's looking like a clean breakout. It's kind of just been chopping around a bit, but definitely still trending higher. Okay, Amazon, that's going to fall more into the Google category. Yeah, and long Amazon, and my wife's long-term account still. I mean, it's been an incredible run from the bottom in 2023 from 80 to 154. Stock has basically doubled in one year. So it's been a good, impressive run. And that's the one thing. Do we have buyer exhaustion on some of these stocks? We've got to ask ourselves that question here too because stocks just don't go up in a straight line. Sometimes they need periods of consolidation. We've had a couple months where Amazon hasn't went up much, but it's been trying in the last few days. I'd say the Amazon chart looks pretty good to me, too. Uh, above 150, I think Bull's still in control. Uh, uh, in, well, NVIDIA, NVIDIA, just real quick, let's just finish up these. NVIDIA, we had the clean break over 500, and that's just been in a uh, bit of monster. Uh, Meta, that's been uh, in the strong camp, too. And then the last one we'll throw in this category, and really the big divergence here has been with Tesla. Yeah, and Tesla here feels to me like it's falling out of the Magnificent Seven. And this we, is a big statement here. But what were you going to say, AB? You were going to say something. I was just going to say we did have news overnight with Tesla that Elon Musk is seeking more than a 25% voting stake. So he kind of gave a threat to the board and was basically like, hey, I want more control. I want more voting shares or else 
I'm going to start focusing more on these other projects like X, Boring, SpaceX, etc. Uh, so, you know, I mean, if you're long Tesla, you're basically investing in Elon Musk and you and you like his vision long term. But this is kind of some of the volatility you have to deal with with that is that when he gets in these types of battles with the board or he goes out and does his own thing or when he invested in in X, you see this volatility in Tesla's stock. Um, so Tesla was trading down this morning. Um, and then, yeah, like Elon Musk is going after more shares. So I don't know, I guess if you're, you know, for some Tesla bulls, that might be a good thing. You might want, you want, you might want Elon Musk to have more voting shares. Uh, again, if you're very long, his long-term vision, um, but either way, Tesla volatile on this news this morning. Well, maybe he shouldn't have bought Twitter. Maybe he shouldn't have sold all those shares of Tesla. He had to sell to buy Twitter here, you know, and now, so he wants his cake and eats it too. He wants to, you know, he wanted to go out and he had to buy Twitter and he had to sell a bunch of Tesla to go buy Twitter. And now, you know, he's upset because he doesn't have as much, you know, voting power as he did before. I mean, well, you need to sell shares. This is how it works, Elon Musk. So I don't know if I'm feeling that empathetic towards him, you know, on this, um, you know, not having enough voting power here. With regards to the Tesla share price, shareholders this has been an absolute disaster year for tesla so far so a lot of the magnificent seven has been holding up or breaking out the stock is going the opposite direction we started the year at 250 dollars. we have now lost 15 percent, basically in the better part of 10 trading sessions it's a very pretty big fall for tesla here i do think you got good support down at 200 dollars so I think you've come long enough now. I think that there is more pain ahead. I think 200 is a logical bounce area here. But I think you're starting to get this separation happening where Tesla, which has been consolidating for a long period of time, is actually consolidating to go lower, where a lot of other stocks were consolidating. It looked like Microsoft consolidating for a long period and now trying to break out. Tesla consolidating and now trying to break down. So clear separation here with Tesla Falling out of love in the Magnificent Seven. Uh, yeah, down 275. Uh, mentioning here, it's uh, this daily low. We talked about this one right here at uh, 211.61. Uh, I put this uh, blue mark in when the, when the bad news came out on Friday. So I know Dennis is looking at $200 area. First things first for me, I'll be looking to see if it can catch a bit around 212. But you know what? Everyone's selling, but Kathy's buying. Kathy's been buying Twitter, uh, Tesla on the decline. Of she is. So, yeah. she does. She's the ultimate okay. buy the dipper. Yeah, she's been kind of selling some Coinbase to buy that. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess we could do a quick, quick touch on crypto. Coinbase got absolutely crushed last week after... Uh, the news came out about the uh, the Bitcoin ETFs continuing yeah. to move slightly lower today. Uh, Coinbase is now down more than 17% in the last five days. So if you were someone yeah. buying this stock into the run-up and you didn't sell it, and we talked about this on the show, Dennis, that this could be a very clear sell the news type event. Uh, and look, Coinbase, I mean, I don't understand why Coinbase would be getting a run from this anyway, because wouldn't people be buying more of the ETFs in their traditional accounts at, say, you know, whatever bank they're with or, you know, at, at BlackRock, whatever, and not buying the, the the Bitcoin itself on Coinbase. So I feel like in, in retrospect, in hindsight, this was a very clear uh, negative catalyst for Coinbase. But, um, you, you know, the market is not rewarding these crypto names. And, and I, I mean, Joel, does it look like we could get a bounce this week? Uh, I just I want to talk that with Dennis here. I uh, 
because you were out with uh, I don't know, Thursday, Friday. I can't remember all these I was days. Thursday and Friday. Yeah. So the Bitcoin price action here uh, topped out right uh, on that day where the it was a big reversal day. The futures got close to fifty thousand. Uh, then reverse and pull back. And and what I, what I wanted to ask you, do you think with all these ETFs coming in, I remember when the Merck started up with the futures, how it just kind of like rained things in a little bit. Do you think that, you know, with all these different ETFs and now the futures and everything, you think this is just, get, you know, going to make more money for the ARBs, you know, that they're going to be coming in? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, sure that's, that's what I think is going to happen. arbitrage profits here. And, you know, we've all been swarming the BITO. Like, that's mm-hmm. kind of been the one trade. So now we get some options here, you know, meaning not options, but different types of, you know, ETFs and pure play ETFs. So, yeah, your Citadels and your Virtues are going to clean up, you know, like slow and steady. You know, where they, they obviously make money from trading market inefficiencies. More ETFs for them is good news for them. I mean, overall, is an ETF good for Bitcoin? Probably. Do we see Bitcoin eventually start to turn it around? I think eventually. I'm still long some Bitcoin. Would I consider buying the dip in Bitcoin? Yes, I would. Um, I would consider buying the dip in Bitcoin. I don't think Bitcoin's going away. I think we're in the hangover period. After, you know, um, obviously everybody ran this up into the news, ran, you know, it was a classic buy on rumor, sell on news. So let's let the dust settle here. But I do think at a certain point in time, Bitcoin's going to bounce. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these crypto traders have been dealing with this volatility. It's been a great last three months. But again, after this approval, it's been, you know, not great. So we'll see if we can get a bounce at some point this week. Uh, kind of staying on the theme of not great news, a stock that we've talked about a bunch the past two weeks. Another negative headline that is Boeing. Um, Boeing, I actually, when I when I went to pull this headline up, guys, there was then another negative headline too so the main one that we were going to talk about this morning was that a windshield cracked in a japanese uh flight on a boeing craft the the pilot had to do a u-turn and do a, a emergency landing well, i don't know if it was technically an emergency landing but they you know u-turned and, and did not complete their flight either way uh stock trading down again and then when i looked it up there was another headline that there was two two boeings that crashed uh, into each other on the tarmac i guess at a, at a chicago airport which that part's probably not as much boeing's fault that these two planes just got into like a ground accident but either way boeing trading down more uh, got Jeez. a down, got a downgrade as well. I'll pull up the details on that. But Joel, give us the technicals. I mean, what is going on with this stock? I can't. I. <laughs> we set it perfectly on the first day. You gotta let the dust settle on these because we don't know how one, how long these Max Sevens are gonna be out of commission for regulatory purposes as they check these planes, make sure there's no more doors blowing off. But I get windshields blowing off too. I mean, we know the nuts and bolts were found. They weren't tight. As soon as you didn't find the, the as soon as you start finding issues, whether they're minor issues or not, it just goes to show that maybe the checks aren't there. So I think regulatory is going to come in and more checks. You know, we don't need, you know, planes falling apart in the air. So it's not surprising that this continued to be down. If you were buying this on day one at $231, when we were talking about it on the show, you're down a cool another 19 points and saying, oh, well, it's bound to bounce now. Is it? Is it? It's still breaking down to me. I don't see any reason it has to bounce at 212. I see a psychological 200 bounce area maybe. Uh, but why be a hero here? 
There are so many stocks performing so much better than Boeing. Why go and buy the company that has windshields blowing off oh, and yeah. doors flying off of them in the air? I think you just stay away until you get a green light from regulators here. Yeah, but even they're getting green. I mean, how many years has this been going on? Too many, Joel. How many years has Bits been a perennial underperformer? Boeing? Well, you had you had really bad timing because a lot of Boeing's problems. Well, they had two main ones, two big crashes with the 747 Max, uh, and one I believe came in 2018, and the other one came in late 2019, and the stock took a huge hit in late 2019, and then you had the COVID crash yeah. which out of all the stocks that that crashed i mean the airplanes made sense because no one was flying i mean all these all yeah. these airline companies had, did, had could, could cancel their orders for new planes and all this stuff so you had that double whammy in 2019 into 2020 for boeing that brought the stock down below a hundred dollars and at that point when you had people saying hey this is a duopoly this is one of two stocks i mean i'm gonna go ahead and buy this they were rewarded when it went from 90 what up to two 250 or whatever over the next couple of years but now, I mean, again, like you guys said, how do you own this stock? How do you own an airline manufacturer when all these airplanes are, are having uh, physical problems that might right. deter not only consumers from wanting to fly in, in Boeing aircraft, but the airlines themselves might deter them from wanting to buy Boeing airplanes instead of Airbus ones? Um, so, again, I would just wait for this to, to shake out. You don't know how it's going to play out if more problems are going to arise. I, I think you're early. You've been early if you've been buying it. I think you're still early. I think you have do have a date with 200 here eventually. Um, I don't see any reason to be a hero. You, uh, we talked about this uh, last week, and it's like this. If there's a stock that gets going one way or another, it's Boeing. And you can see what it did August through November. And then November through the so it's just it's on a march. So until it gets uh uh stops going down, even if it does, it gets some consolidation. I mean, these are major problems. I don't yeah. I don't know. I, I I think it I think it's just I think it's, it's an unownable stock. I I, I really do. I, I don't want I'd stay away from it too. Yeah. Uh, I, I I just you know I don't want anything to ever bad happen to like anybody and stuff but i mean this is a door just think about that i mean a door or you know a fuselage just blowing off like mid-air i mean and now all these other things that was a I gift think. for it to only be down 12 or 14 yeah, yeah crazy. maybe it was down 20 and ended up being down 20 but at one point in time it was down 14 or 15 dollars. i mean could you imagine if the space had had ample competition had more than two names it'd probably be down 50 percent. but instead i mean i feel like that's part of where you're it, it how you're gonna find a price floor is because people realize hey at the end of the day there's still only two big players in this name uh joel of course showing the charts for spirit spirit aero systems which was the manufacturer of the actual parts i'd stay away issues. from that too yeah the parts I mean, maker yeah. too yeah um all right well let's go from ba to the b a n k s the banks uh had some earnings this morning we you know had had earnings last friday you mentioned jp morgan wells fargo bank of america all came in last friday jp morgan was like the one shining bright spot last friday morning it beat and then ended up trading lower throughout the day so the market kind of shrugged off the uh the earnings beat and then this morning we had morgan stanley uh and some other big banks morgan stanley actually with a double beat uh, beat earnings estimates as well as uh, revenue EPS came in at 113 versus the 101 
Uh, and then sales came in at 12.9 billion versus the 12.75 billion. So good morning uh, for Morgan Stanley getting a little bit of a pop here, but not really anything crazy. I mean, it, it seems like the market's not really rewarding any of these banks right now. One thing I've learned from trading, um, even doing this show for the last 10 years, when the banks report earnings and they're trading higher, never chase those higher prices because these banks so many times turn around and go red on good earnings. JP Morgan is exactly what it did on Friday. Obviously, I wasn't here. Um, but, you know, stock makes a new high and everybody's like, yep, break it out. This is it. Let's go 176. We're going to 200 and boom, the rug pull. And now you're down here at 167. You just lost nine bucks from those highs. I mean, this banks seem to do this all the time. They fade. It's like they get excited. They run up to the earnings a little bit. They pop sometimes on the really good numbers because Goldman always beats. Yet when you look at the Goldman chart after earnings, a lot of times it ends up being red. So I think you just got to like not chase on bank earnings. There's certain companies like, wow, that was a good, really good report. You know, maybe this is going to be the gap and go. Banks typically don't have the gap and go. They're usually the gap and no. Yeah, and you had Goldman Sachs as well this morning with a with an EPS beat. And it's kind of like you said, Dennis. I mean, like the, the numbers look good. The stock's getting a pop. But at the end of the day, whenever I see that pop, but it's not really like that, it, it doesn't look that decisive, right? It's up like a, a it's up one 1.3%. It's up five bucks. Like traders are like, yeah, these numbers were good. Let's go ahead and buy this. It's not up 5% plus like you'd see if, you know, Apple or Tesla or NVIDIA or someone blew earnings away. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, after seeing how these bank stocks traded last Friday, I don't know why you would be chasing this morning. Uh, and, and I agree with you, Dennis, I'd like to see a little bit uh, of a follow through here. Uh, consolidation after a big move here in the Goldman Sachs, still, uh, not near Friday's high here. So if you're hoping, I mean, the market is down obviously, so there's no good number really on the upside except for Friday's high. And I think if you don't get up there in a jiffy, that's still uh, $3 away. I would look for a little bit of a fade. Nothing really sticking out except in the Morgan Stanley. You've got a great level to lean on here. Uh, you didn't quite get to Friday's high yet at 92, but bulls are still in control as long as you hold 89.50. Uh, that's the lowest in the last two sessions. If you lose that 89.50, Look out, not much support until under 88. And then you can see uh, the two days that we had here back uh, when Jerome said interest rates were going to zero, uh, that price action. So maybe you get a little check back into that. But uh, if you're bullish or long, Morgan Stanley, make sure you hold those parallels at 89.50. Got it. And then, uh, you know, we also had some pretty big geopolitical news. We had an election in Taiwan where uh, the more kind of like progressive anti-China candidate did win. So this is worries that this election uh, could end up bringing more geopolitical tensions between the United States and China. If China does try anything with uh, to try to kind of flex its muscles with Taiwan, um, of course, some, you know, your big chip names could be impacted by any news out of Taiwan. Also, China names continuing to make new lows. I mean, Baba getting absolutely crushed. Baidu had some had some uh, news last week with its AI um, uh, thing with Ernie that was kind of concerning and the stock went down, you know, 6% in a day. So a lot of these big Chinese names, whether you're looking at JD, Baidu, Baba, continuing to get crushed. 
looking for any sort of bullish catalyst here, uh, would, would you guys be taking a stab at some of these Chinese names here? I've said, Baba, if you wanted to try the 70, there is huge support here. You are there right now. The problem is we've been hanging around down here too long and too many people trying the 70. You know, Dan Nathan, CNBC, yep, going to bounce, going to bounce. He's been trying to call a bounce on this thing, I feel like, forever. Um, it was one of his stocks and his acronym there. I like buying stronger stocks, not weaker stocks. I do get the 70 support. I could see it there, but... I man, I feel like it's going to breach it. I do get the valuation. It's so cheap. Geopolitical risk keeps me away from all these China stocks. That's why investors don't touch them. Yeah, they're doing a big fiscal stimulus package over there. They're really trying absolutely everything. And just technically, no reason. I mean, trading down 38 cents. Duo Duo is different. And PDD has been one that has definitely turned around probably the only one really of the big ones like you look at jd disaster baba disaster baidu pretty much a disaster not as bad as some of the other ones but not great at all fxi very close to 52 week lows k web very close to 52 week lows penduoduo is trying trying to be like the player in china obviously the stock has you know been an unbelievable performer compared to its peers so that's the good news bad news is just investing in china is just really been the way to not make money yeah it's not been uh, not been great for the past if you've been in in i mean basically all these chinese names did not participate in the last year's market rally at all i mean you had the s&p 500 go up 20 percent last year and then you have baba finish what the year down like 20 percent. so uh moving in the wrong direction for sure like you said dennis if you're brave and you want to go out there sure baba looks great from the valuation standpoint i actually am long this am i a long-term portfolio and just a very small allocation. And the one thing I will say kind of on the flip side, do I feel like everyone freaking out about this election? Uh, so so the, uh, the the leader of Taiwan served two terms. And then this person that just won this election right now was the vice president for the past two terms. So really, I mean, it's the same party in power. It's nothing's really changing. So I don't know why people are, are acting like, oh my God, this election is going to cause the next big thing with China unless this guy that was the vice president really is that much more anti-China than the woman that was in charge before. But we'll have to see how that plays out. And I'm not a geopolitical expert, but to me, it seems like, oh, if the same party is going to stay in charge, then maybe a lot won't change over the past eight years. Um, but it is 8.35 a.m. Eastern. Uh, time to bring on our very esteemed guest for this morning. Joel, who do we have? Red Dog. Scott Red Dog Redler from T3 Trading. All right, well, let's go ahead without further ado. Give Scott our very special pre-market prep intro and talk to the Red Dog when we get back. All right, Scott Redler from T3 Trading. Welcome to Benzinga's pre-market prep on this Tuesday morning. That feels kind of like a Monday. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We are good. What uh what have you been watching? What's top of your what's top of mind for you right now in these markets? Well, I was actually listening to you guys and you guys were covering a lot of the, the basics, which was great. You know, um, you know, on Friday, like you guys said, I was watching to see if JP Morgan would, you know, would they add to it on strength or would it fail? And we isolated that level two, the 173.50, and it opened above it and then faded, closed on the lows. So to me, that was a, a clue that hey. The banks that came a long way need time. Um, you know, the small caps 
also that everyone was super duper excited about. You know, Tom Lee said uh, it could be up 50% in uh, 2024. Obviously, after a big November, December move, it's not a big deal that the IWM went from like 205 to the 192s. But between that and the banks and then, you know, some some tech was very mixed. You have some stocks that are actually acting great that you could be in that are rewarding you to manage. And then some tech names that just aren't. You know, it's been a very specific tape. I this morning I woke up, I saw the futures down 25 handles. I was like, oh, I'm like, I got to start my day like this. I tried to, you know, pare down some risk on uh, on Friday, but thank goodness I'm in the right names because I'm in a lot of Microsoft that's opening at a new move high. I'm in Nvidia that acted well on Friday. You know, I have a few different options. So overall, you know, I was pleasantly surprised when I logged in this morning after doing my 6:30 club. I'm like, wow, my P and Ls are up, and the futures are down 24 handles. So goes to show that if you're in the right things, you know, you can manage them and get a pass here and there. Scott, it feels like we're going back in the 2023 playbook to a certain extent here where they're starting to go back into the AI plays. They're starting to move back into technology. And they're now throwing out, like you said, IWM, trying to break down to a new 2024 low, not far from it here. Small caps we know underperformed until November of last year. Do you think we go back into the same thing where this AI trade drives the bus, the Microsoft, the NVIDIA's AMD's having a pretty good morning here. We haven't talked about it yet. It seems like this AI trade doesn't go away. <laughs> yeah, well, certain parts of it, though. You know, if we think about AI itself, remember that stock that everyone thought was so oh, awesome? Gosh. You know, I don't think um, that one. I'm just saying it broke down. Like when these things break down, they break down. You know, NVIDIA yeah. also, when everybody was ranting and raving about NVIDIA, you know, for, for six months, NVIDIA did nothing. And then finally, after tiring a lot of traders out, it finally took off again uh, last week. And I know a lot of you guys were on top of that. It was my, you know, true huge focus. And thank goodness, you know, the brain power stayed there to go back to it. Because a lot of times traders try things, they don't work a few times, then they go, oh, I'm not doing that again. And then they work. So part of this whole process is being a trader is going back to things that are, that can work, that are just resting and then go away from things that just changed, right? Like you guys were talking about the Chinese names. If I had a dollar for every time someone asked me to buy Baba in the past six months, <laughs> I'd have a lot of dollars, but I'd be out of business because my PL <laughs> would be, you know, in the basement. You know, same way with Tesla. Tesla has been not the same Tesla that we had, you know, a few years ago or last May. So everything kind of changes. But I, I kind of think this year is just going to be, you know, different flavors during different sequences. Uh, IWM got a little ahead of itself. I think the street got ahead of itself, you know, five rate cuts, you know, when the S&P is at almost highs of uh, 2023 yep. going into 2024. So there was definitely some some dislocations that had to be relocated. And But then, thank goodness, there are some things working. Can, um, can I share my screen for a second? Please. Yeah, please. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, Red Dog used to not be able to know how to do this kind of stuff, but um, I'd have like 10 tech guys showing me, but I think I could do it. Yeah, it only <laughs> took me nine. <laughs> so uh, let's go share screen. Let's go. So, you know, so let's go spider. So this, this should be able to see it. So, um, you know, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm very simple as far as like, you know, what I, what I look at. So, you know, you can see the spies right there, right? On Friday kind of came in to resistance, you know, saw some selling pressure but didn't fall apart and it's still above the eight day moving average. So to me, if you're a trader coming in with some risk, you didn't do the wrong thing. It just, the market didn't have power to break out above that area. 
Like, you know, the, the JP Morgan was sold. Like we mentioned JP Morgan. Um, I like to reiterate some of my strategies because I think they're very simple. You know, get above and stay above. Isn't that very sophisticated? It's really not. <laughs> if you're going to have momentum, you have to get above a momentum level and get above and stay above. And JP Morgan didn't, right? Couldn't get above and stay above 173.50. And now look at that ugly candle. So that tells me the size of this move was a little bit too much for it to continue. So now that goes kind of in the B and the C list. So like you guys said, you got to see what happens with Goldman and Morgan today. Their moves weren't as big. So chances are they might act better, but to me, they're not very exciting. Um, it's good that something like, um, like you just said, uh, maybe the mega cap tech trade, people are going back to it. Look at the difference between Microsoft, which mm -hmm. my biggest focus last week, and I'm not to toot my own horn, but toot toot a little bit. Nice. Uh, you know, look at this. This this is different, right? It got above the moving averages. It cleared 377. It got above and stayed above, right? You know, very sophisticated. Then was able to clear this 384. And then on Friday, while things were selling down, look at that green candle, right? It's sometimes it's, is it that easy? Sometimes or some sometimes it's not. Obviously, but you know. So now I come in with Microsoft, and now Microsoft is um, opening above. Um, you know, that high, right? Microsoft right now is at 393. Can you see the level two? I don't think you can see the level twos that I put up there. But um, but anyway, so it's good to see that if you have something that showed relative strength that plays by the rules, can reward you even in a sea of red. So you look at Microsoft, look at that chart, a lot different than Apple, right? If you look, if you look at Apple's chart, they're not all the same. You know, Apple, you go to Apple right here, Um, you know, you have this, Big gap down that started the year. That told active traders, you know what, this is in the penalty box. It shouldn't be a focus because it's not special. Only special stocks should be a focus when you actively trade for a living to get paid monthly and quarterly. It kind of looked a little bit better in here, a little bit. You know, it looked like maybe it would fill that gap. So what I did um, on Friday is I bought some options. So risk is premium pay because it didn't give me enough of a clue to say, hey, you could be in the stock and options. So, you know, those options might not work this week, but at least I did it in a way that was calculated just in case they wanted to, you know, rotate into some of the other ones that made, you know, new highs. Like this made a new high on uh, December when it was above the eight-day moving average, and now it's in the penalty box. Um, so I think, Joel, for the for this week and Dennis, um, I'll be interested to see if Amazon, you know, which also made a, a new high of 157-ish, could just say let the moving averages catch up, hold 153, build a nice little um, little wedge right here, right? It would be nice if this could hold above this spot. And and traders like when stocks, I do, you know, make higher highs because then you could buy in in the in the pattern, add to it when it gets above levels, and then sell it into strength. That doesn't happen that often, but that's how I make money when it's doing that. When it's not when the market's not doing that, I just do a little bit less and try and be a little short, but I'm not that good at that. So I think Amazon's something to watch this week, especially if if Microsoft holds above that, you know, the the pre the, the high from last week, um, which we just went over and extends. I think that the you know traders are gonna look to see what else might be able to do that. So if this holds 391 and doesn't open up and fail, then I think Amazon has a chance. Um uh, and I also think Google still looks good. You know, Google also different than Apple, different than some of the others, above the eight-day, a little doji here, but it was stretched. So to me, in my head, when I formulate what could happen today, tomorrow, you know, do the spies and the cues hold up and make their low in the first five, 15 minutes? Or does Apple and some of the other things drag it, which then 
you know, we the market could ignore or could buy some tech when Apple's just like on the side. But when Apple is a pure drag, it's hard for things to you know continue to get upside. So there's Google. I would say you know you could be in Google and you could be inverse 140, and that's defined. That if it takes out 143, 145, maybe not today, but builds today, that's something. If this market wants to continue, um, you know. So in and then you know, like you said with Tesla, right? Uh, some things change and don't come back. Uh, I don't know. Elon's being crazy these days, but you know, we, we all know in technical land what this candle is, right? What, what's this candle right here that happened on twelve twenty eight? Red dog reversal. On top of a bearish engulfing candle that wound up taking it out the prior low. So this candle right here said, "Hey, this is a this is a day to take notice." Tesla's been trying to act better. A lot of people, including me, I was long from here. You know, and I, I wound up making a little lost, and I don't think I've really traded it since. And then it confirmed, you know, breaking below 252, and then it's been below all the moving averages. So, Scott, I want to ask you about the JP Morgan real quick because, sure. uh, you know, uh, you know, in, in uh, you know, training Dennis and being in the room and stuff, it's like, you know, when stocks are going up, you know, it's so tempting to short them. And you and we talked about that 173.50 level, that was a former all time high. You go to 176. So if you're doing it on the way up, how do you classify it? Like, on, did you wait for it to come back down? And then you said, you know, with a sell stop, maybe say, okay, if this doesn't hold 173.50, because when I lost that area, it was pretty quick. How do you avoid getting run over when something's going straight up like that? And then how do you catch it when it comes slicing back down? Well, it, you know, <laughs> it's not easy and you have to be prepared. You have to have multiple plans. You know, a lot of people have been kind of, uh, you know, I've been, you know, I've been a big advocate of like the ice spiral lately about the mind right and how, you know, getting the mind right so you could execute with confidence when things trigger. And some of those, <laughs> some of those videos that I listen to are like, you know, if you're going to take the island, you got to burn the boat. So this way, you know, you have no, you have to, you can't go back to the boat. You have no, you know, you have to just go through there and fight your way through the island. You know, with traders, it's not the case. You know, we need multiple plans. You can't burn the yes. boat. Because then you get stubborn and then you don't honor your stops and you can be done. So here, you know, I didn't trade it. I was watching it because I was just trying to see how much pressure would happen on the markets. I was more involved with NVIDIA and Microsoft and some of the others. But I, I did show you could see here also, look at the weekly chart. Look how big that level was here. You know, this was your weekly okay. chart. Here you have JP Morgan, an all-time high. Mm -hmm. That was 173, 174. Now, this is a red dog reversal here also on the weekly. But it's not a big deal because look where the eight day is. And look how far it came. So again, sometimes you have to start putting up dailies and weeklies to see the importance of what the action is. So anyway, if you anticipated, some traders anticipate, hey, I've anticipated before where I feel like I could add to it and trade around it. And then when it starts working, add to it and get super paid. But sometimes like if you started shorting at 172, went through 173.50, maybe you got stopped out before the complexion actually changed that day where the, the the indices went and then all of a sudden JP Morgan didn't and then it gave you a negative divergence and then that was the time to put it on. So what's gonna what's gonna push us through then the S and P's here? I just real quick, I want we only have a few minutes left. We got some major resistance. Whether you look at the spiders, whether you look at the S and P's, I'm looking at four or five tops in this area here coming into earnings season. Number one, what's gonna push us through? And if not, are, are we kind of looking at a short to intermediate uh, term top here in the market? Um, I think today will tell us a little bit more. 
you know, if you look okay. at the S&P cash, I just posted the chart there. Like you said, there is a lot of resistance up at 4793, 4802. But again, look how extended it was. It had a decent move in that last week. Um, you need a lot of things to make a new high in the all time in, and for it to be sustained. You need a good AD line. You need participation from a lot of sectors besides leaders. And we don't have that right now. Small caps. Did they correct enough? Energy names not acting great. Did the banks just top out because they borrowed too much into earnings? Um, can, um, you know, can tech go without an Apple or a Tesla? So is, could Microsoft and Amazon and Google and Meta do all the heavy have lifting? I don't know. Um, but you don't also have to make new all-time highs to make money in specific stocks. Sometimes it helps. You know, to me, my 2024 report, I was like, you know what? I think we can get to 51, 5200, you know, in 2024, but I don't know what's going to happen in January. So you got to go week by week and figure it out if you get if you trade for a living. So at this point, I think today will be interesting to set the tone for the week. You know, can the spies and the cues kind of absorb the morning weakness? Can Microsoft hold and add to gains? Can you know, Amazon, Google, Meta go green. Can Apple make its low in the first five, 15 minutes? Can Goldman and Morgan do better than JP? I mean, Goldman and Morgan do better than JPM did on their report. So these are the things you have to think about. And then if a lot of those things happen, hey, maybe at the end of the week, we're above 4,800. And if not, you have to adjust. So it's not my job to know what's going to take us there, but I know the ingredients if they happen so I can play along. Got it. Well, Scott Redler, thank you for joining us on Benzinga's pre-market prep. Uh, next week, guys, if you want more from Scott, you can join Scott for a full free week of trades and market commentary. I'll drop that link in the chat. Scott, is there anything you want to add or where can folks find more from you, give you a follow? Um, Red Dog T3 is my Twitter. <laughs> I'm trying to do a little bit more on Instagram and, and I'm going to get on TikTok because I don't know what's happening with Twitter these days. There's bots everywhere trying to oh, tell you, you 4,000 into 100,000 in an hour and a half. It doesn't happen. Why Why so long? Why an hour and a half? I want an hour. I know. An hour we want to turn four grand to 100 grand. Don't you want to do that too? <laughs> an hour. It's like, or then you get the nude ones that come at you. Like, it's crazy. The bots are just so many there. Like you can't, and I don't know, Scott, but I can't get rid of the fake ones now. It used to be like simple. I just like report, da, da, da. Now they got this whole form and then the form fails and then you have to retry it. And I'm like, I'm like having so many trouble getting rid of the fake accounts now. They've made it so difficult. Yeah. I, you know, I, and again, I like to have the, 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 you know, the community around the world. But really, if you don't want any bots, just, you know, you got to come join the alpha team. We have no bots in the alpha team. Just, you know, hundreds of traders that trade all day long, trying to make a living, trying to be disciplined, trying to enjoy life. So the Alpha Team is a place. So if you want to come in and try it out, um, you should. It's free. And then if you can make money in a week, chances are you can make money being there all quarter, all year. Most most people that are in the Alpha Team have been here for years. And they know, listen, we don't sugarcoat it. Sometimes the market's not great. Sometimes you're getting, you know, paper cuts and paper cuts. But when we're in a good sequence, you know, we can, we can make a lot of money. You know, whether it lasts two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. But we also know when the market's not conducive, not to get run over, not to be stubborn. Then I also have Red Oral Access, which is a note, you know, where maybe people that, you know, have a job, whether it's a lawyer, doctor, policeman, teacher, they just want to know the active take. Maybe they don't trade every day, but they kind of want to know, you know, what's happening. And then um, I have the 630 Club that if uh, you feel like you connect the dots on your own and you, you don't feel like you're ready to pay for a subscription, I give a little quick take at 6.30 in the morning 
just what I'm looking at for the day and potentially throw a bone in your doghouse here and there. But typically that's not going to feed you forever because those bones don't have a lot of meat on it. There you go. You're getting up early like us, 630 in the morning. Boom. All right. Well, Scott, again, wait, 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 wait. 430 in the morning. 630 is when I when I broadcast. It's 430. Oh, yeah. Are you are you at the office at 630? 610. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Where you go? There's nobody more motivated than Scott Redler. I'm going to tell you that right now. I see these ice baths, and I see all this stuff, and I'm like, man, this guy's got motivation. I need like 10% of your motivation. <laughs> Listen, yeah, it's a new year. Just a you're new rock year. your life, buddy. Keep it going. Thank you. I appreciate awesome. it. And listen, you've been here a long time. You know, it's not easy to be in this business for 10, 20, 30 years. You got to figure out how you can relieve your stress, how you can keep going. And for everyone, it's a little bit different. Not everyone needs to be in an ice barrel for three minutes at, you know, 5, 10 <laughs> in the morning walking through snow. But I like it. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, Scott, thank you again for hopping on. Looking forward to, to having you on again sometime in the future. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday short week, four days. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll chat soon. Definitely looking forward to it. All righty, guys, that was Scott Redler, Red Dog. We shared those links. Also in the description, again, free week next week if you want to hang out with Scott, get some of his market commentary, trades, et cetera. Make sure to hit that link in the description. All right, guys, we've got about six minutes before we wrap. Got a few more headlines to run through. Uh, one thing we haven't touched on, uh, which I don't know if you guys watched this, but some commotion in the commodity world. You had uranium hitting new uh 15 year highs last week as some as as some supply concerns popped up one of the biggest uranium suppliers in the world said it's not going to be able to meet its quota uh and then of course if you have a uh, consistent demand and then supply lowering that should elevate the price uh i mean what what are our stocks we can look at CCJ to... is Canadian and it is your main uranium company here CCJ Camico. it's the one everybody trades um, CCJ is a major player here, and it has been an unbelievable stock for a number of years here now. Look at this chart, just straight up since 2020. Um, you know, we, we, we're in a full, like, parabolic move. It doesn't typically move from 40 to 50 in three days. So keep that in mind. This is overextended big time for a stock like this. But that doesn't mean it necessarily has to go down. You know, we've seen stocks get overextended and continue to be overextended. So, but, you know, this stock has uh, been, you know, an unbelievable performer for a while. Uh, URA, if you just want the ETF, is a, a very liquid one that trades very well. It's got a 5.4% dividend yield as well um, on URA, which is nice. Um, I don't think that's stable. I think it, it changes. So just be careful with that dividend. But URA also making new 52-week highs and breaking out. Again, big chunk of CCJ in there too. Yeah, people uh, preparing for nuclear war. Well, I don't know if anybody can ever be prepared for nuclear war. I've thought about this. And, you know, obviously we had that lovely analyst, remember, two years ago or a year and a half ago, came out and said, there's a 10% chance in nuclear apocalypse where everybody in the world dies. Buy stocks. Because, you know what? If that happens, none of the money matters anyways. So it's hard to bet and win on betting on nuclear war. Yeah, and I feel like with uranium and nuclear energy, this is one of those things where it's possible to be too early, right? You can be completely right that in 20, 30 years, more and more countries and states are going toward this type of clean energy. Um, but if you're buying all these stocks thinking it's going to happen in the next three, four, five years, then, you know, I mean, you still see a lot of hesitation 
uh, from, you know, politicians all across the world when it comes to nuclear, even though you have a lot of energy experts saying, hey, this is our best bet in terms of going to a cleaner energy source, uh, more so than solar, wind. Um, but you obviously have a lot more environmental concerns here. So uh, I don't know. I mean, Dennis, you seem to, you know, you know, follow these stocks up, you know, the uh, CJR Canadian stock. I mean, do you think this is going anywhere long term or would you be, you know, more cautious? Um, I don't like to chase this. And again, this story, CCJ has gotten hot multiple times. It's nice to buy it in the consolidation period. And then you get the pop. I mean, if you were buying this here a couple of weeks ago, from November to December and in the early part of January, CCJ was in complete consolidation. Now it's broken out. So now you got to say, well, I missed this move. You know, it's too way too far for me to chase it at this point in time. So I'm probably waiting for a pullback here. But, you know, is this a stock that would be on my shopping list? Potentially. It's been, you know, an unbelievable performer here. But look at the long period of consolidation, even in 22. We were yeah, between long 20 and 30 yep. forever before we finally broke out. Now look at this move. This is a big move. So you're coming in and buying it now, you're buying the hype, you're buying the story. And whenever you buy the hype and you buy the story, a lot of times the story cools off just after you buy it. So I'm, I'd say I've got to wait for another cooling period, another consolidation period before striking here. Yeah, new all-time high made in the pre-market trading. So if you're just short-term today, if you're looking for a target, 51.22, uh, pretty good volume traded on that as well. Uh, so keep an eye on that, 51. Well, actually, that's from Friday, right? That's Friday's price action. Yep, all-time high, 51.22. All-time closing high, uh, 49.92. So let's see if you can catch a bid right there, right at the $50 area for CCJ. Dennis, are uh, are the legal sports apps, uh, are, those, are those legal in Canada? Are those open? Yeah, we have sports interaction. We have a few of them, too. Oh, okay. Um, We've always had ProLine, which has been the main one. But yeah, yeah, you can do all. You've got sports betting in Canada too. I, I sports don't betting have... actually has been in Canada for a very long time. Just, just government regulated. So now you're starting to get, you know, competitors coming in here, and yeah, there's different ways to do a sports betting in Canada. I don't have any fundamental news on on these stocks, DraftKings or Penn, but I have been starting to look at them. I don't know if you guys feel this way, Joel. Maybe I mean you went to the national championship game. I feel like every single person that I've been talking to recently, even people that I would not be expecting to be like betting, like you know, like my friend's dad is like going into the Lions game on Sunday night with his different parlays and stuff. Like I almost just like just like my gut feeling is I feel like the way I've been hearing people talk about this is that these companies might beat earnings because this last. I mean, this football season, Joel. What about? I mean, did you did you win any money on the Michigan game? I don't. I you know what? I I I just want them to don't win by on one team. point. Yeah. So I don't. I don't uh, wait. I don't. I don't do that. I'd like to do you know just minor things. So I don't know. I mean, this has been a pullback here in uh, in DraftKings. This is really yeah. to the start of football <clears throat> season. I would be leading on thirty two here. A couple uh -huh. lows from earlier in the year. So if you want to, you know, if this is a little bit of a pullback. I mean, the, the promotions that they're giving are just absolutely ridiculous and what they spend on advertising. So I've said for a while, you know, I'm just a little bit skeptical on these companies, you know, long term. If people are eventually going to run out of money, but it had a nice run. But uh, 32, Penn just never wants to participate. No, I mean, no. right back 27, back to 22, they have the Disney deal. Um, I don't know. It just, uh, I don't know. It seems like if, you, if you're buying these on a pullback, don't, don't fall in love with it. 
All right, well, but, the competition there, AB2, is there's so many different, you know, players here. Yeah, DraftKings probably the biggest in the industry, but so many different players here. So, I mean, competition is going to continue to be intense for those gambling dollars, and I don't think that competition is going away. So that's one thing to consider. I think Joel's giving you a fantastic level with DKNG at 32. It's bounced off there before. Can it hold the 32? If it doesn't hold the 32, then you start Get thinking out. about 28. Yeah. So, I, but I think a thirty-two could hold. I, th I think you've got, uh, you've got a setup here where you could take a shot, stop yourself out at like thirty-one fifty. Don't stop yourself out at thirty-one ninety-nine. You know, people do that all the time. They're like, "What thirty-two? Okay, I put it at thirty-one ninety-eight right at the low, and then it goes down to thirty-one seventy-six, and then it's bounced back up." And I'm like, "Well, you told me to stop out at thirty-one ninety-eight. I did that, and it went to thirty-one seven. It went ten cents below the level, or fifteen cents below the level. Sometimes you got to give yourself a little bit of room. Don't give yourself like." dollars of room but you know we give these levels they're still not perfect right. you know they don't always work out to the penny things trade you know actively and they can chop through levels too so 32 is a big number well before we wrap let's grab a couple uh tickers from the chat i saw someone asking about john deere and caterpillar some good old american uh industrial stocks there uh what are we looking at on john mm. deere here joel <laughs> Ah, boy, oh boy. This looks like it topped out just under 400. So if I was waiting for a pullback here in deer, I'd, I'd give it some room. Uh, what we've gone, we've had a little bit over a 50 point move here. I don't know. This just looks weak to me. Maybe you'll fill the gap at this uh, 377.81 area, 378. That looks like halfway back. And then uh, cat. Man, you're taking out a pair of lows here. I, it needs to get back uh, above 289. Well, that's right in that area here. It holds 289. I think you got a chance to test yesterday's high. But these stocks look a little bit heavy to me. And, of course, I'm influenced by the S&Ps being down uh, 21 and a quarter handles, too. Uh, Dennis, any what's take the on AI story here? Stop. What's AI? the AI story with Deer, Cat? I mean, are these machines going to all just run themselves? Maybe eventually, but we're a long ways away from there. So I can clearly, you can clearly see what's happening here. I mean, it's funny. Sometimes just sitting back and even just watching, rewatching our show. But, you know, just going through what we were talking about early on in the show. Look at the stocks that are breaking out here. Microsoft, NVIDIA, AMD is having a morning here again. You know, it's trying to break out through 150 here. This Ooh. AI story, folks, is not going away. And I know people wanted to say, yep, yeah, it was AI 2023. And this year is going to be the year of the small cap. And we're all going to buy all these small companies and we're all going to buy. I think nope. it's going to be a continued AI year. So why did I do that? You know, my, my whole, you know, NASA thing, NVIDIA, AMD, SMCI. And I honestly thought about putting Adobe or Apple as the fourth A, but um, just to keep the full AI. But I did the Amgen things. I think the cancer drug will have a story here as well. But I mean, the two, top three letters of my acronym are all a hardcore story. And I believe that AI story is not going away. And I think you're seeing money gravitate into the AI story here. And Microsoft has a big part of that with ChatGPT. I would not want to be short Microsoft. Is it overvalued and richly valued at 30 times earnings? It is, but it doesn't matter right now. Why? Because the story is still hot. And you know what? The story could get hotter. Well, yeah, there you have it. I mean, I think with these AI names, you really have to think about the time horizon, which companies are going to take a while to see the AI have these implications in their business start to increase revenue for a lot of these companies like you like Caterpillar, Deer, it might be a year or two 
uh, down the road. But for for Nvidia, for some of these chip manufacturers, it's it might be instant that the that the demand for these uh, chips are so high that they can't even produce enough to sell all of them. We've seen that in the past with Nvidia and AMD. Uh, Do we honestly I, think Nvidia is going to come out and warn? Do we no, honestly think Nvidia is no. going to come out and say, "Look"? You know, nobody ordered chips. This AI thing was a bubble and, you know, we got to back off our guidance. Do we think that's going to happen? Or is it more likely that everybody else who's been talking about AI is trying to get involved with AI and everyone's trying to figure this out? And they're all calling up NVIDIA trying to get these AI chips. I think it's the latter. I think the stock is telling you it's the latter. I agree with you. It would not surprise me if NVIDIA guides higher again. And I mean, if it guides higher again, people are so pissed off. Because, you know, they're saying, oh, it's trading, you know, where it's trading. I mean, we've looked at the forward earnings, folks, when it was trading in the 460 area. We had that debate. 27 yep. times, 28 times forward earnings. It's not, the people who are coming on saying it's crazy expensive are calling that, you know, they've pulled too much forward. The margins aren't going to last. But if you just take the PE at face value here right now, just Love. perhaps it's not as expensive it's as not. everyone it's, wants it's, you to it, believe. It's not that expensive. Um, it's right, well, probably it's, cheaper it's, at 500 than it was at 300. It, it, that's yeah. great. That's the growing the math. We did put, the put math on that. They're growing earnings so quickly that the stock price can't keep up. All right, we're Those gonna, are the kind of companies that I want to own. We're going a little too far over. It's the 9.06 uh, a.m. Eastern time. Joel, who do we have coming on with us tomorrow? Eric Kroll, uh, life cycle trader, going to talk about the IPO market in 23 and uh, perhaps things heat up a little bit in 24. Boom. There you go. All right. Well, we'll be back tomorrow, 8 a.m. Eastern, as always. Thanks for everyone who tuned in with this morning on Tuesday's uh, rendition of Benzinga's pre-market prep. We'll be back again tomorrow. Please smash the like and subscribe to the channel if you have not already. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, Dennis. Peace and love, y'all.